Hello and welcome back to the podcast, episode 10. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the Lakers with Anthony Davis's injury. Can that Will that affect them down the stretch and can LeBron carry this team? Also, I'm going to give my NBA team of the week and team on red alert. Also, I'll be talking about the Carson Wentz trade. JJ Watt being released. Where will he go? Also, I'm going to talk about the NBA All-Star voting. Who got snubbed? Who deserved their spot? Also, I'm going to be giving my NBA... Well, not NBA. NFL team review starting now. Which team I'm reviewing first? You'll have to listen to find out. Also, we'll be talking about the MLB preseason predictions from Dakota, and as well gives my predictions compared to theirs. Also, going to be giving my little MLB team preview. I'm doing two teams today. Which ones? You'll have to listen to find out. Also, going to give my predictions for who is going to win each college conference in basketball. Conference tournaments are around the corner, and after that, it's March Madness. So, who's going to win their conference? You will have to stick around to find out. Episode 10. Let's go, man. Let's go. Alright, let's kick this off talking about the Lakers. As you know, Anthony Davis is going to be out two to three weeks with a, I guess it was a calf sprain, something like that. And him being out two to three weeks is going to be a big deal when it comes to Lakers basketball because now not only do Lakers lose their second best player to injury for an extended period of time, in a tough West where they currently sit second behind the Utah Jazz in the West by two games, and they're barely holding off the Clippers for the two seed by a half a game. Oh, another thing that's important is that you've got LeBron James, who is 36 years old, now has to carry or keep the Lakers afloat until AD gets back. Now, the big question is, can the Lakers hold on until AD returns? The answer is yes. Simple answer. Like I said, they got LeBron James. LeBron James is a top two player to ever play this game. And depending on who you ask, is the best to ever play this game. And if you have someone with the caliber of LeBron, you should be just fine. And this would be a good thing for the legacy if you keep that Lakers in the top three seed for a while until AD comes back. And this would be a good chance to do many things for LeBron to improve his MVP status, to solidify himself as the GOAT, if he wants to be the GOAT, which obviously he does. Also, there's another thing to this that people don't think about. People are worried that saying LeBron James should carry this team and Lakers are going to struggle and stuff like that. I think LeBron's going to do just fine. I mean, you lose your second-place player. It is what it is. I don't want to hear excuses if the Lakers start to struggle because of his age or whatever. Michael Jordan had to carry a Bulls team in his last year on the Bulls. Remember, if you all watched Last Dance or know anything about the Bulls, Scotty, his second best player, was out for a few months with the foot injury after getting surgery on it. So that's not a valid excuse there. But we'll see. 
This does hurt the Lakers' defense also a little bit. AD is by far their best defender. Don't even get it twisted. He, he, AD is the best defender on the Lakers. Always in conversation for Defensive Player of the Year, so the Lakers' defense is going to struggle a little bit. Offensively, I think they'll be just fine. They got guys like, obviously, LeBron, Dennis Schroeder can give you a bucket here and there. Kuzma, if he's on having a good day, he can hit you a bucket here and there. But now it's time for role players like Caruso, Gasol, Harrell. Guys they had on the team already, they need to step up. But I think the Lakers will be just fine. Lakers will be fine until he gets back. The All-Star break's coming around soon, so there's no need to rush his return. Let him heal up and get healthy because <laughs> what I saw against the Brooklyn Nets, they're going to need him. They're going to need him in the playoffs for sure, as well as later down the road, fighting for the number one seed in the West. But until then, Lakers will be fine. LeBron will do his thing. And if he doesn't do his thing, the Lakers will struggle. But for the most part, the Lakers will do their thing. And they will still be a top three seed by the time AD comes back. All right, let's talk about the NBA All-Star voting. The results are in for the NBA starters. And here are the results. For the East... The leading vote-getter and the captain will be Kevin Durant. Also getting voted in is Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid, who has had an MVP-type season, well-deserved so far. Kyrie Irving, now you can go that one either way. James Harden could be there. Kyrie could be there. Honestly, it's whatever. It was between those two. And then you got Bradley Beal, the Washington Wizards, who's who's going to be starting in this game in the All-Star game. Well-deserved. Man's putting up at least, from what I've seen so far from the Wizards, he's put up at least 30 a game. It seems like he's putting up 30-plus every night. And he's probably the only reason people watch the Wizards right now. Well-deserved. He's been snubbed so many times in the past. Finally, he got the recognition he deserved. He is someone that has deserved his spot. Now to the West, the captain... And the leading vote-getter in the West, obviously, was LeBron James. I believe this is like his 17th or 18th or something like that. I mean, that's crazy to think about. He's been an all-star pretty much every year since he's been in the NBA. 17-time all-star for LeBron. Wow. Man's ridiculous. Also joining him as a starter will be Kawhi Leonard, who's had a pretty solid year for the Clippers. Nikola Jokic, another MVP candidate this year. He's played ridiculously well. He's going to be a starter. Well-deserved. Stephen Curry played out of his mind so far this year. Definitely in the race for the MVP. He was well-deserved. Now, here's the one that I found interesting. And a lot of people are getting on about this. Luka Doncic got voted in as a starter due to his tiebreaker, and the fans voted him in. D 
do you think he deserves it more than Damian Lillard, though? I mean, personally, I thought Damian Lillard deserved to be a starter. And when you look about the guards for the West, I mean, the numbers are pretty similar. You got Curry doing his thing. And Damian Lillard has been averaging 28.9 points on 45% shooting, seven, almost eight assists a game, almost five rebounds a game, and, and a steal a game. Well, leading, he has the Blazers at the four seed in the West. Not to mention, he's got McCollum hasn't been healthy all year. Nurkic hasn't been healthy all year. So this man has pretty much carried the Blazers as of right now to the four seed in the West. Luka, well, his numbers have been pretty well good as well. I mean, his Mavericks are down near the bottom of the West. Dallas Mavericks are currently right now 10th in the West. And, well, Luka has been playing outstanding basketball. Honestly, when it comes to tiebreakers, I feel like the team with the better record, whose team has the better record, should be the tiebreaker, not the popular vote. <laughs> but, oh, well, someone has to win the popular vote in this country, am I right? <laughs> oh, well. But... Yeah, personally, I think Damian Lillard should have been a starter. And the East, I have no qualms with. You could flip-flop Kyrie and James Harden. It's whatever. For me, the the, they, the voting got it right for the most part, other than Luka over Lillard. They both deserve to be All-Stars, but I do think Lillard should have gotten the nod as a starter for the All-Star game. His team's played better. The numbers are just about the same. I don't know. I don't know. Should be an entertaining all-star game. Either way, so. It is what it is. Alright. This is my NBA team of the week. My team of the week plays in the Eastern Conference. Has three all-stars and on a five-game winning streak. They are the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets, to me, have been a, no surprise, one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, second only behind the Philadelphia 76ers. But now, I think the Nets have a chance to overtake them. Here's why. Like I said, they're on a five-game winning streak, and they've shown that their offense has greatly improved with the addition of those three players, James, Kyrie, KD. I'm going to talk to you about two of their most impressive wins during this little five-game winning streak. Let's talk about the Suns game first. In that game, they had no Kyrie and no KD. James Harden was literally playing with the bubble squad they had last year. Now, they were down pretty big in this game against the Phoenix Suns, and, a lot, and I thought this game was over. And then James Harden and that team showed a lot of heart. The Phoenix Suns did. I don't know what happened to the Suns. The young team could didn't know how to close out a game. But what I saw from James Harden that night was absolutely impressive. I believe he scored like thirty something points in that game. 
And it showed how dangerous this team was. How important guys like Jeff Green, DeAndre Jordan, guys like that, how important they are to this team because they stepped up and played a big role down the stretch. Joe Harris, he also plays a big stretch down the line. Played some big minutes. And then the game against the Lakers without Kai, KD, they had Kyrie and James going against LeBron without AD. They absolutely dominated the Lakers. They absolutely dominated the Lakers from start to finish. It wasn't even close. Kyrie smack-talking LeBron the whole way, pretty much. He's like making jokes about how LeBron, how he missed a technical free throw. Kodan said, hey, this is your best free throw shooter? <laughs> yeah. He said that to LeBron, but it is what it is. But... I like where the Brooklyn Nets defense team is going. Their defense is a little shaky. I feel like that will get better in time. I do think the Brooklyn Nets do make a move to get a defensive player near the trade deadline. I don't know who they get, but it's something. Maybe they go get someone on the buyout market. We'll see how that goes. But the Brooklyn Nets have impressed me. They're not even healthy yet. They're not even fully healthy yet. When KD gets back, Whenever that is, that team is going to be more dangerous. Way more dangerous. Now for my team that's on red alert. And this team is my team. Team that went to the finals last year. And that's the Miami Heat. Now, you can say what they said. Say what you will about their COVID issues at the beginning of the year. They still have some major in, They still have some injuries with Drogic out. Avery Bradley still out. But this team is – this team for me is on red alert. They should not be in the 11th seed right now. They should have been the Warriors in their matchup, but they blew that lead. And I think the big issue in that game was rebounding. They could not rebound to save their life. I love Bam, but he's not going to be – he's not exactly the biggest big man in the world. He's only 6'9". And he's the only one that can seem for me to get the rebounds. Other than that, this team struggles to get rebounds. I think they ranked like 29th in rebounding, which is not good at all. And I kind of saw this going to happen again back in the finals. They had struggled rebounding against the Lakers, and that was an issue in that finals matchup against the Lakers. I do think they need to go out and get somebody who can rebound. Maybe a guy like Drummond, who can also give you a little bit of shot blocking. And a, little bit of de- and a little bit of rebounding at the same time. That would definitely help the rebounding as well. Another issue the Heat are having right now is teams are figuring out guys like Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero. Their numbers are drastically falling off since last year. I haven't seen much improvement from Duncan at all. Tyler, he has his flashes here and there. Jerry Butler's doing his thing at least. He always going to do his thing. He got a triple-double against the Kings alongside Bam. Two players got triple-doubles in that win over the Kings. That was a great game for them. They play Saturday night, tonight, against the Los Angeles Lakers. That should be an interesting game going down the line. But if I'm the Miami Heat, i got to figure out a way to get that rebounding up. Oh, not to mention, the perimeter defense for the Miami Heat has been atrocious as well. I don't know what happened. For that perimeter defense, but it has not been good. Just look at what happened during the Golden State Warriors game, and you would see why. 
I'm worried about that perimeter defense. Do I think that he have, have an opportunity to turn around? They have Jimmy Butler. They have Bam Adebayo. When they get Drogic back, that brings a little more firepower as well to this team. It should be good to go. I do think the Miami Heat will be able to turn this around. They're probably going to end up playing in the play-in. If not, get a little higher. I do expect teams like the Hornets, the Knicks to fall off a little bit, open the door for the Miami Heat to get into the playoff picture. But right now, they are a little bit on red alert. They need to figure out that rebounding. They need to figure out how to guard the perimeter a little better. Duncan and Tyler Hero, they need to step up a little more. And they just need to get healthy. They need to get Drogic and Bradley back. That's all I'll say about the Miami Heat. All right, let's talk about the Carson Wentz trade to the Indianapolis Colts for a couple of picks. And for the Eagles, this was a major L in more ways than one. One, you got absolutely nothing for Carson Wentz. You got a third-round pick and a conditional second-round pick. And that's if Carson Wentz plays 70% of the time or 75% of the snaps and the uh, Colts make the playoffs. I believe that's what the terms were, but... The second round is going to happen one way or another. And it also leaves you with a major cap hit. About like $36 million or something like that. The only real winner of this trade is the Indianapolis Colts. In my opinion, I feel like Carson Wentz can get back to where he was during his MVP season in 2017 if he can keep stop turning the ball over as much as he did. You know, he didn't have much off time in the pocket in, in Philadelphia. But here in Indianapolis, he should have more time. He has one of the best offensive lines in the league in the Colts. And he also has great weapons potentially going into the season. Well, Michael Pittman Jr. should be better. I think they will re-sign T.Y. Hilton. Obviously, they got John Taylor in the backfield as well. Now, another reason I think Carson Wentz is just fine in Napoli is that he will be reunited with his old offensive coordinator from his 2017 season in Philadelphia, Frank Reich. Frank Reich's a good offensive mind. I mean, he did pretty well with Philip Rivers. And I believe this offense will be more run-orientated, so Carson Wentz will be asked to do a lot. So... Overall, Carson Wentz is going to do just fine. Do I think the Colts are going to make be a playoff team? I personally think so. That Colts defense is no joke. They're going to get even better, I believe. And the offense, like I said, offensive line, one of the best, if not the best in the league. John Taylor, young stud running back. He's only going to get better. And honestly, Carson Wentz is going to have some decent weapons on the outside. If, even if the Colts don't resign T.Y. Hilton. How far do I think they'll go? I don't see them getting past the first round. Maybe they get to the divisional round. I don't know. But overall, this was a horrible trade for the Eagles. But what can they really do? Carson Wentz had that massive contract. And now they got to deal with a major cap hit. And also, for the Eagles, now solidifies Jalen Hurts as the quarterback going into the next season. With a new coach. So, 
We'll see how Jalen Hurts does. I think he'll do just fine in the NFL. He played pretty well during his starts. So we'll have to wait and see. The Eagles have a lot to work on to do in the NFL draft and the offseason to improve that team exponentially. Now to another interesting move. The uh, Houston Texans released J.J. Watt not too long ago. And now it's going to be interesting to see where he goes. This man has been on that defensive player of the year multiple times. He's had multiple 20-plus sack seasons. Dude's a monster. Now, where I see him going, it, it could be interesting to see where he goes. There's been reports of him in Cleveland as a potential destination. I could see it. Him and Miles Garrett would be one heck of a pass rushing duo. Obviously, there's talks of him teaming up with his brothers in Pittsburgh. I really don't see that happening. I mean, what cap do the Steelers have? Also, there's talks of him going to Tampa Bay. That could be a real possibility. And there's a lot of other teams out there as well. Uh, with their Tennessee in the mix as well. They're desperate in desperation mode when it comes to finding a pass rush. But yeah. We'll see how he goes where he goes. For me personally, I think he should go to either the Steelers, the Browns, or the Titans, or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Those are his four obvious destinations for me and everybody else. And I believe he should go to one of those four teams. And if I'm Tennessee, I definitely need to pick up the phone. If I'm Cleveland, I give him a call. I mean, this guy's had one heck of a career so far, and I don't think I think he has to change the scenery. Well, definitely give him some new life for his career. All right, it is time for the first of many NFL team reviews. Looking back at their season and seeing what went wrong, what went well, and what they need to do to improve during the offseason, heading into the next season. The way I chose these teams, well, this first team, is that I asked Siri to pick a number between 1 and 32, and he she picked this team. So any Minnesota Vikings fans, this is for you. This is you are the first team I will be reviewing for your 2020 season. Now for y'all, the Vikings went center nine, finished third into the NFC North behind the Packers and the Bears, and missed the playoffs, obviously. Your offense averaged about 27 points a game from my calculations, and, 20, and they allowed 28 points a game. What went well for y'all? Well, there are many things that went well for y'all. First thing, Dalvin Cook had a break, had another spectacular year this year for y'all. He rushed for 1,557 yards on 312 attempts. He also averaged yards per play. He averaged about five yards per play, which is pretty good. And he had 16 total TDs. He finished second in rushing only behind Dalvin Cook. I mean, not Dalvin, I mean, Derrick Henry, my bad. And, well, honestly, I think he could have gotten the rushing title if 
an unfortunate incident with his father hadn't happened near the end of the year. May he rest in peace. But uh, Dalvin Cook, another solid year for him. And I expect to see more of that from him down the line. He's going to be a great running back for y'all for years. I don't think he's going to be Adrian Peterson great, but he could be. He could be. He, he just might. All right. Also, another thing that went on for y'all was just steal a draft, who was at least steal the first round, Justin Jefferson. Y'all got lucky the Eagles don't know how to draft wide receivers and draft a Jalen Regor. I'll, I'll probably talk about that when I review the Eagles. But when Justin Jefferson fell to y'all, it felt like after you made the Stephon Diggs trades, you clearly needed number two next to Thielen. And Jefferson came in, and now he's probably asserted himself as the number one going into the next season. He uh, finished the year with 88 receptions, which is top 10 in the league. Finished with 1,400 yards, which well, that's pretty good. He also had seven TDs to his credit. Justin Jefferson looks like a, a big physical receiver who can make plays down the field. And he's going to be a joy to watch for y'all, for Vikings fans. You guys made one of the trades that ended up being beneficial for y'all because I think that I believe that pick you made was from Buffalo for Stephon Diggs. So that worked out in both favors. You guys got a young stud in Jefferson. They got their guy in Stephon Diggs. So there is that. Also, want to talk about a little bit about Kirk Cousins because I felt like this wasn't exactly his best year, but you get what you get with Kirk Cousins. He was. Mediocre at best. Mediocre at best. He had he threw for 35 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, also threw for 4,265 yards with a final pass rating of 105 and a completion percentage of 67.6. Eh. He's, eh. Eh. I don't know if it's time for you to move off Kirk Cousins yet, but... He'll, he'll, he's serviceable. He's serviceable for now. The O-line didn't do him that much well, service as well this season. That's an issue that y'all had. Um, but really was your downfall was the defense. The defense was atrocious this year. I think Mike Zimmer has also come out and said that the defense that was on the field this year for the Minnesota Vikings was by far the worst Mike Zimmer has ever had. And, yeah. It was pretty bad. The secondary was absolutely burnt toast all year long. I just that the secondary is terrible. That should be something y'all address in the NFL draft. There are a lot of talented secondary pieces that you can go out and get. I mean, you guys allowed about three hundred and ninety-three yards a game. That is bad. That's pretty bad. And well. I mean, you had games that you could have won if the defense some played pretty played a lot better than what they did during the regular season. Like the Saints game, you put up thirty three points, and the defense gives up six rushing gives up six rushing touchdowns to Alvin Kamara. Not good. You also have games like let's see here. Games against – 
games against the Lions where, yes, you guys won, but the defense was terrible. I mean, you won 37-35. And then against the Bears, you gave up 33 points to Mitchell Trubisky. Gave 40 to the lowly Atlanta Falcons. Y'all should have won that game. Against the Packers, first week against the Packers, 43. Against the Colts, 28. Against the Titans, 31. Against the Seahawks, 27. I mean, whew. There was a lot of games y'all could have won if the defense was just a little bit more competent. So, yeah. When it comes to the offseason for y'all, y'all need to work on that defense of yours. Look into the draft. Maybe pick up a pass rusher. I know your best pass rusher was, I believe, was either injured or you opted out for the season. But yeah. But the secondary looks terrible. Looked terrible all year long. Burnt toast, barbecue chicken, whatever you want to call it. That's probably the biggest weakness for your team. That's where I believe you all need to step up next season. But the overall grade I give to the Minnesota Vikings, I would give them I give them a C a C minus. No seven or nine is a mediocre record. Finished third in your own division. Davin Cook and Justin Jefferson. Two young players that you can definitely build around an offense. That's for sure. The offensive talent looks very bright. Just so you work on the defense. All right, let's talk about the Pakota predictions for the MLB season and what I think about them. And I'm going to make my own predictions for the every standings, for all the divisional standings, I should say, for MLB for the MLB season coming up. I got a problem with a couple of these. First one I have with is in the NL East. I do have the Mets winning the NL East. I, I really do say that, but I don't see and they have the Mets at 96 and 66. That's fine. But then second place they got the Washington Nationals at 85 and 77. I just don't see it. The pitch is gonna be good in the rotation. The bullpen's going to be a little iffy for me sometimes. But other than Juan Soto and Trey Turner, those guys are studs. I don't see where the offense comes from this team. Third place, you got the Phillies. Again, who's pitching for this team other than Aaron Nola? I don't see what pitching they have in this team that makes them the 83 games. I believe the Phillies should finish in fourth. And this is wild for me. They had the Braves at 82 and 80. I don't think so. Yeah, the pitching is not the best in the division, but it's better than the Phillies and the Nats, in my opinion, all around. And the offense on that team is better than both those guys, both those teams. And the Marlins are in last place. That should be pretty obvious for most fans to actually watch baseball. So for the NL East, they have the, they have the Mets, Nats, Phillies, Braves, Marlins. For me, I have the Mets, Braves, Nats, Phillies, Marlins. I don't see how it could be any other way. I just don't know. 
for the NL Central. I do have a problem with them where they play the Cardinals going 81 and 81. I don't see them going 81 and 81. I expect them to be on top of this division when it's all said and done. They had the Brewers in first, Cubs in second. I don't see it. I just don't because the pitching for the Cubs is actually pretty weak. They got Kyle Hendricks, a washed-up Arietta, and that's all. They do have the fourth and fifth place teams right in the division, though. Fourth place will be the Reds, and fifth place will be the Pirates, who are absolutely terrible. So there's that. So they have the Brewers, the Cubs, the Cardinals, the Reds, and the Pirates. For me, I have the Cardinals pitching in first place. I think their style of baseball is just better than the rest of the teams in the, in the division. And the addition of Arenado is always a big plus. Jeff Flaherty, he's an anchor in the rotation. He's going to be just fine. Pitching's an eh for me for the Cardinals, but I think their style of play is just going to give them push them over the top when it comes to winning the NL Central. Behind them is the Brewers. Pitching outside of the top two, I don't see where else they get the pitching. They rotate their bullpen. Obviously, they got Josh Hader and a bunch of other guys, so we'll see about that. Then I got the Cubs finishing in third. I mean, they got some star power that can help them get to third. Other than that, I don't know. And obviously, the Reds and the Pirates are going to finish fourth and fifth. Now, the NL West is like one of the only few divisions I agree with with Bakota. I think the Dodgers will win the West, followed closely behind by the Padres. We agree on that. The Diamondbacks will finish third. The Giants will finish fourth, and the Rockies will finish in last place in the West. On that, we agree. On that, we agree. I don't see it being any other way. Now on to the American League. So let's start with the AL East. Again, this is another one of the few divisions I agree with. I do think the Yankees will win the East. With the addition with the subtractions the Rays have had from their team, obviously losing Snell, Charlie Morton, those guys, that's going to be a big, yeah, big blow to the rotation. Obviously, the Rays still have Glass now, but and they also re-signed Chris Archer. But I just don't see how the Yankees don't win this division. They have pretty decent pitching up top. They got Garrett Cole, obviously. He's going to do fine. That bullpen is going to be just fine, anchored by Roldis Chapman as their closer. The Blue Jays, I think they'll surprise a lot of teams, and they will finish third. I think the rotation got a little better this offseason. Obviously, the addition of George Springer will help them win some ball games this year. Pitching in the bullpen is a little sus for me. The Red Sox, they're going to finish fourth, though I don't agree with them finishing under 80-82. I do think they're going to be a little worse than that, but – they're right where they're supposed to be. I think they are a fourth-place team in the AL East. And last place is going to be the Baltimore Orioles. They're going to be an interesting team to watch this year, especially with the young star Adley Rutschman coming up. Possibly this year. That team is going to be interesting. Adley Rutschman is going to be an interesting player to watch going down the stretch. 
I don't know if he gets caught up right away from spring training or he gets like a September call-up or a call-up midway through the season, but I do think this is the season we see Adley Rutschman play in the big leagues. All right. For the Central, uh, I don't know. I don't know who thought this must favor pitching because I think the Indians pitching is better than the Chicago White Sox pitching overall, but I don't see how the Indians – picked over the White Sox in the division, especially with the moves the White Sox have made and the subtractions that the Indians have made, like trading Carrasco and then Door, obviously. I think they get worse. I don't think the Indians have any offense outside of Jose Ramirez that actually goes pops right. like, wow, there's someone in the lap you don't want to face. I do think the Twins will win the Central. That we agree. But then they have the Indians, White Sox, Royals, Tigers. The only thing I would flip is the White Sox and the Indians in that sta- in those standings. I got Twins, White Sox, Indians, Royals, Tigers. That's how I have them going. Now in the American League West, um, this one I just I don't understand how they have the Angels winning eighty-seven games with that pitching. Their best pitcher is Dylan Bundy. Granted, he had a good year, but I just don't see how a rotation eh, with Dylan Bundy as your number one and the bullpen is not that great either is going to get you 87 wins. I like their offense. Don't get me wrong. Trout, Andon, Shohei Otani, those guys are going to be really, really good offensively. This Angels team is going to be fun to watch offensively, but I don't think they have the pitching to win 87-plus games. I just don't. They have Oakland under 588-2. I don't see it either. Yes, they lost their best closer. They lost their closer in the metrics, but this team just finds a way to keep winning games and stay competitive in the top American League West. I think they will finish in second. The Angels, I don't think they are even a third-place team. I think the Seattle Mariners will finish in third in the American League West. Yes, you heard me. The Mariners will finish in third. This team is young. It's hungry. They're only going to get better. We're going to see young guys like Jerry Kellenick come up this year. Maybe guys like Logan Gilbert or George Kirby. I highly doubt we see Kirby, but we should see Logan Gilbert at some point. We might. I don't think we'll see Julio Rodriguez, but it would be a treat to see him play. But that outfield, obviously we're getting Mitch Henniger back. The rotation is going to get better. Marco's going to kind of pitch well. Sheffield's going to get another year up in the major leagues. I think he's going to be just fine. Hopefully Kikuchi can bounce back. The bullpen's a little suffering for the Seattle Mariners, but the final standings for the American League West, I do have the Astros still winning the West, so I think their time is coming for them to fall off the face of the earth. They're getting older. They lost George Springer, and... I think they're going to fall eventually, but this year they will win the West, followed by Oakland, then the Seattle Mariners, then the Los Angeles Angels, and obviously you got the lowly Texas Rangers down at the bottom of the division. Now for the playoff teams, here's who I got. I've got the Mets, Washington Nationals. i got the Mets, the Braves, the Dodgers, the Padres, 
the Milwaukee Brewers and the St. Louis Cardinals. I believe it's still a 16 playoff. 16 playoff. So that's who I got in the National League. Mets, Braves, Cardinals, Brewers, Dodgers, Padres. And if it's still if it's a five-team playoff, then it's gonna be you probably just kick out the Brewers. Now for the American League, five-team playoff, always this formation if it's still at that. We've got I've got the Yankees, I've got the Twins, the Astros, obviously. Then I got the Chicago White Sox. And I got the Tampa Bay Rays edging out the Oakland A's for that final wild card spot. If I believe that's what they're still doing for the playoffs. But yeah, those are my MLB predictions compared to Pakoda. I think they're pretty good. Like I said, this is baseball. We'll see what happens. All right, to wrap up this little baseball segment, I'm doing to a, a preview for two MLB teams since spring trading started a couple days ago. The first team chosen at random is, well, a team that's probably not going to be very good when it comes to pitching, hitting, or pretty much anything. But they do have a young stud that should be coming up this year in Adelie Rutschman, yes, I'm going to be reviewing the Baltimore Orioles first out of the East. And when it comes to Baltimore, I don't think they're going to be very good. I don't think many people think they're going to be very good. They're going to be probably the last place team in the East. The pitching rotation is a bunch of washed-up old dudes with nothing left in the tank with guys like King Felix, who might have a little bit of something left, and Matt Harvey, who's... I don't know how he's still here. I think his last good season was back when he was a part of the New York Mets. But it is what it is. When it comes to their offense, I think they're going to be pretty much last in almost every offensive category. I mean, you can really tell me any players on this team. I mean, I got Mancini coming back soon after his battle of cancer. Um. Yeah, you don't really know what. Not many people knew who's on this team for Baltimore, but when it comes to the Orioles, the one thing that people are going to keep their eye on the Baltimore Orioles for is not how good they're playing, not how bad they are, where they are on the standings. That don't matter. This is the season everybody's looking for. And for the call-up of Adelaide Rutschman, honestly, this might be the year Adelaide Rutschman gets called out to the major leagues. And if I'm Baltimore, if you're a Baltimore Orioles fan, you should be excited with this guy. He is probably one of the better, best catching prospects we've seen come up in a while, and he's going to make an impact for the Baltimore Orioles down the line. And it's going to be interesting to see how they do. I do. I don't see them winning anywhere more than 67 games. 
I think that's kind of their ceiling. They're going to win 67 games. So when it comes to Baltimore, you're going to finish last in division. Your team is going to be absolutely terrible from pitching to offense. Even your manager's not that good. But you do have something to look forward to this season, and that is the potential call-up of Adderley Rutschman. You better get called up. Now, the second team that I that was chosen at random to be to be previewed, funny enough, same division, same division, the Boston Red Sox. And when it comes to the Boston Red Sox, it's going to be a tough year for them as well. I don't see them being much better than the Orioles, but they do have better pitching. Slightly, slightly better pitching. And a little more talent out there. They also got guys like Rafael Devers, Jackie Bradley Jr. I believe he's still on the team, as well as Xander Bogarts. you got some talent out there. Obviously, they also traded Andrew Bantendi to the Royals not too long ago. But it's all fine. It's fine. You also got guys like Sale, hopefully he comes back healthy. They also got Alex Verdugo, Enrique Hernandez. They got him from the Dodgers this offseason. Obviously, he's still JD, so their offense is still going to be fun to watch. It's just outside of that who's going to be pitching for them. Obviously, they also picked up Adovino. You know, rare trade from the Yankees, so who knows. Last time the um, – someone, I don't know when the last time – Last time the Yankees and Red Sox made a trade, but it's clearly been a while. For the Boston Red Sox, well, we'll see how that goes. I believe they rehired Alex Cora. So, we'll see how that goes. I see the Red Sox finishing in fourth, like I made in my Pocota slash my predictions. I believe they're going to win around 75 to 80 games. That's just me. 75 to 80 games, that should be around where they'll be this year. I don't think they'll be competing for a playoff spot this year. But they should be fun to watch, offensively anyway. Yeah. They'll be around 75 to 80 win team. All right, to wrap up this podcast, let's talk about something that's coming up very soon that everybody loves. Good old March Madness. But before we get to March Madness, there's one thing people have to watch first, and that is conference tournaments. And honestly, for some teams, that is probably more stressful than the big dance itself. It could decide whether your team gets a tournament or not. Can your team make a run to get into the tournament? It's basically a final dressing a final, let's say, put an icing on the cake for your chances to get into the big dance. I have a list here of every, oh, I had a list of every conference. I've read through every conference that has played basketball this year, and I've chosen a team that will win the conference when it's all said and done, in my opinion, win their conference tournament. And I got a couple teams here that I wouldn't be surprised if they end up winning their conference tournament. All right, let's get started. For the ACC, it was really tough for me to pick this conference. I believe it's a two-team race. 
I don't think anyone else in the ACC will come close to these two teams. But at the end of the day, I got Virginia winning the ACC and the team I wouldn't be surprised to win this conference. Even though last time I seen these two play, Florida State blew out Virginia. These are the two teams I expect to be in the ACC title game when it's all said and done. And I do believe Virginia will get the final laugh. But I wouldn't be surprised if Florida State came out and won that title. For the Big East, this is a surprise pick for a lot of, for a lot of people. Again, this was pretty much a two-team race in my opinion. But I am not going with the Villanova Wildcats. I'm going to pick Creighton to upset Villanova in this conference. I do think Creighton will come out on top in the Big East. Again, I wouldn't be surprised if Villanova won, but I I got Creighton win this conference. For the Big 12, it's pretty obvious who's going to win this one. I think Baylor, they've been one of the top two teams in the country all year long. And I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. I do have Baylor winning this conference. It just for the heck of it, I got I'll just pick a couple teams that wouldn't be surprised that win this. Oklahoma comes to mind. They could win this conference. Texas and West Virginia are two other teams that could come out and win this conference as well. Now the American East, I didn't watch a lot of American East basketball, but whenever I got a chance. It came to my mind that UMBC will win the American East. Hartford and Vermont are the other two teams I would be surprised to win the conference. The Big Sky Conference. That conference will be won by the Eastern Washington Eagles. I think they are far ahead of everybody else in the conference, but... I wouldn't be surprised if teams like Weber State or Southern Utah came out and win this conference. For the Big South, I got Winthrop. I think I pronounced that right. I think they will win the Big South. Two teams I do see could see that could also win this conference are Ratford and UNC Asheville. The Atlantic 10 Conference. This conference will be won by VCU. VCU will win this conference. I believe they're the best team in the conference, but I also believe the teams like Davidson and St. Bonaventure could also win. I would not be surprised, and you shouldn't be surprised either if Davidson or St. Bonaventure ended up winning the Atlantic 10. The American American Athletic Conference, the AAC, I think Houston will win this conference, but don't be surprised if teams like Wichita State, who just upset Houston the other night, wins this conference as well. Memphis could win this conference as well. And SMU, I believe those are also teams that could win the AAC. The Big Ten, this one was tough because there are so many good teams this year in the Big Ten. I believe right now you got three top five teams in the ace in the Big Ten. It's ridiculous how good this conference is. But the team I believe will win this conference will be the Michigan Wolverines. I believe they're just a little bit better than Ohio State and Illinois, who I believe 
are also teams that could win the Big Ten. And they're a little bit ahead of Iowa, who I also see, could see win the Big Ten. I believe they have one of the best players in the in the country with Garza. So this that one was tough. I had to really think about that one. The Colonial Conference, that one's going to be won by James Madison. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if Northeastern won that conference. The Big West, I think US, UCSB. Santa Barbara, they will win the conference. I wouldn't be surprised if CUSB or UC Irvine also ended up winning this conference. The Horizon Conference, that's going to go to Wright State, but it could also go to Cleveland State. Do not be surprised if Cleveland State wins the Horizon. Conference USA, I believe that will be won by Western Kentucky. But, again... You can see teams like North Texas or UAB come out on top in that conference when that was all said and done during championship week. For the Pac-12, I got the University of South Southern Cal. I believe they will win the Pac-12. But UCLA, Oregon, and Colorado, don't overlook Colorado. They could win the Pac-12. They have played some pretty good basketball. They got a great point guard. Yeah, but in the end, I do see USC win the conference, but Oregon, UCLA, Colorado, they wouldn't surprise me at all if they won the Pac-12. For the Mountain West Conference, I have have Utah State winning the conference as of right now, but I was pretty surprised by how San Diego State has been playing the past few days. They could also win this conference as well as well as Boise State, who could also win the conference. For the MEAC conference, the Mid-Eastern Conference, I got North Carolina NCAT, but I also wouldn't be surprised if Norfolk State won this conference. The MAAC will be won by Monmouth, but I could also see Siena. I wouldn't be surprised if Siena won this conference. The Northeastern Conference, I believe, will be won by Bryant University. But I wouldn't be surprised if Merrimack won this conference as well. The Missouri Valley Conference. I This conference is interesting for me. I do believe Loyola Chicago will win this conference. But... Don't be surprised if Drake University ends up winning this conference as well. They both played a great game a couple weeks ago, a couple days ago. It was a close game. It was a low-scoring affair. I could see Drake or Loyola Chicago win this conference. The Ohio Valley Conference. I think Belmont will run away with this conference. They have been the best team in the, in the Ohio Valley Conference all year long. But I wouldn't be surprised if teams like an Eastern Kentucky or Austin P come out and shock Belmont in the tournament down the line. For the Patriot League, I have Colgate winning this conference, but I wouldn't be surprised if Army or Navy win the conference. Yes, Army or Navy. <laughs> Imagine an Army-Navy Patriot League 
tournament championship. Man, oh man, wouldn't that be interesting? For the SEC, I've got Alabama winning this conference, but there's a lot of teams I wouldn't be surprised to win this conference. I've been watching SEC basketball all year long, going to an SEC school. I wouldn't be surprised if teams like LSU, Tennessee, Florida, or Missouri ended up winning the conference, but even, yes, I have Tennessee in there after their embarrassing game against Kentucky. There are five teams that could win that conference, but I'm going to pick Alabama as the favorite. The Southern Conference will be won by East Tennessee State, but I do, but I wouldn't be surprised if Wofford or UNCG ended up winning this conference. For the SWAC Conference, Prairie View will win this conference. But I wouldn't be surprised if teams like Jackson State ended up winning this conference as well. For the Summit League, I think South Dakota will win the Summit League. But don't be surprised if North Dakota State or South Dakota State ended up winning this tournament. For the WAC, I got Grand Canyon. But I, won't, but I don't see anyone else winning this conference. It's Grand Canyon's to lose. For the WCC... This is easily Gonzaga's to lose. This is Gonzaga's conference to lose, but the only only competitor I could see for Gonzaga is BYU. That's it. Other than that, I don't see anyone else competing for a conference title in the West Coast Conference. All right, so this will conclude this episode of this week of this episode, and well, this is good. This was an interesting episode for sure. A lot to talk about for this one, and well, we'll see how everything goes out in the end. Uh, I said next week I will be talking about. I have two more LB teams to review. I will have a new team of the week and a new team on red alert. And I also will have an NFL, another NFL team to review, as well as talk about the final week of NCAA regular season play and see how everything will shape up. And I will give my favorite to win the NCAA national title. But until then, y'all enjoy, stay safe. Stay warm during this crazy weather we're having, and have a have a good time.